Um, but for Netflix, you know, again, we're mostly focused on how do we do entertainment that you feel like you got to watch and, you know, stay up late at night. doing your own movies for a couple years, you're ramping up now. I read uh, you're going to spend about $400 million on four movies that are coming out this year, okay. give or take. You can never believe what you read. Sometimes. Um, Um, you know, what, what we're really focused on is how do we push the creative boundaries um, and doing shows that uh, bring people together, are exciting, sometimes they polarize people. Hey, we are live. We're rolling. All right, folks. How Original Podcast, Season 1, Episode 6. This is, of course, a podcast solely devoted to Netflix originals. I'm Pat. And I am George. And I, I, oh man, I ah George trying to crack the fucking white claw on cue for the. Oh mic. man, George got so nervous. His hands are so sweaty right now. I've never seen a human struggle with a can so much before. Uh, so this is there you go. This is an away game for me. We're in George's apartment tonight, so a yeah. little bit of a different vibe, different map. Um, speaking of different vibe, I'd like to actually open tonight with a Bible quote I was thinking about as I was watching this week's movie. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, this is from the Dewey Rames translation, Job 7-1. The life of man upon earth is a warfare, and his days are like the days of a hireling, as a servant longeth for the shade, as the hireling looketh for the end of his work. So I was thinking about that because watching Netflix movies is kind of like a spiritual warfare that you're engaged in. And, you know, it's it's such a burden on me that I, I long for the shade for the end of my work, but I have to toil for you, for our listeners. Uh, is, is that the book of Job? Is that from the book of Job? Dude, you know, you, you know, oh man, Job, Job knew what it was like. Job gets us. And then that made me think, you, you, know, do, you, know, you know the story of Job, right? Oh yeah. Dude, that's so funny to quote Job. <laughs> in relation to this to making this that, podcast that also made me think do podcasters go to heaven <laughs> i think we're in purgatory for a while i think Pod we are poditory uh, a camel can go through the eye of a needle more easily than a podcaster can enter the kingdom of heaven <laughs> <laughs> yeah man this so this was your pick this week and we'll get to it shortly but uh love in the villa tough watch yeah, so last week was all about you trying to bring some masculine yes. energy into my life. This week is me trying to uh, bring the little bitch boy out of you. <laughs> <laughs> trying to make me feel things. So uh, we'll leave that as a bit of a cliffhanger for yes. the audience. But yeah. we do have some big Netflix news to discuss. Uh, when I texted you about this, Netflix news. <laughs> when I texted you about this on Thursday, I was like, we almost need to record an emergency podcast. And I'm like, why would we do that? It's still going to come out on the same day. So, yeah. Um, so big news. Our illustrious leader, Reed Hastings, has fallen. Thank him. Olympus has fallen. Um, yeah. Our, our boss in some ways. Our good, close friend of the pod, Reed Hastings, has stepped down as, well, he was joint CEO for a while. Um, so now he's like still an executive, but he has been replaced by Greg Peters, who apparently was heavily involved with the introduction of the Broke Boy Netflix tier with ads. Oh, with the ads. 
Um, so yeah, still a two CEO situation. And I just wonder with Reed Hastings, because they were saying, you know, Netflix is painting the narrative, if you will, <laughs> that this was always planned. It was like a succession plan. He's been delegating a lot for the past mm -hmm. few years and like yeah. fully trust these guys. I don't know whether that's true or not. Maybe he was ousted. Mm -hmm. um, 2022 was a very tough year for Netflix. You know, their stock fell 38% at one point. Although apparently the back half of 2022, they were bolstered by, you know, quality titles such as Harry and Meghan, Wednesday, which is one of the most streamed shows ever. Uh, Glass Onion, I believe, was their third or fourth best movie yeah. of the year. Yeah. Um, and also the total spend on original content in 2022 was down about 5% from 2021, but it was still around $17 billion. And I believe that's their intended budget moving forward. So that's staying fairly consistent. So don't worry, folks. We'll have plenty more shitty movies to talk to you about. <laughs> so you think this is a hostile takeover? I I don't know. It's always so hard to tell. Like, uh, obviously, I don't know the inner workings of Netflix and like, you think the Taliban swooped in? <laughs> yes, I think ISIS told them to step down. <laughs> ISIS saw the kissing booth three, and they're like, "We're going to kill you if you don't step down." <laughs> um, but yeah, that makes me think: like, what is life like for Reed Hastings now that he's just a guy? He's not the guy. What? Yeah, what's he doing right now? Do you think? Do you think he? How, he, much, how much? Do you think he's watching Netflix content right now? Or is it too painful? Or is he just? I think he's. I think he must have unsubscribed, right? He he, he wants to he wants to take a step back, like you know, kick back a little. With yeah, some Amazon Prime. I think he's like drunk as hell, texting Jacob Alordi, "Where's your guy? Let's fucking go!" And then a bunch of snowflake emojis. <laughs> so yeah, R.I.P. to a great one, Reed Hastings. You will be missed. Um, do you think? Yeah. Do Do you think anything will change at all in terms of like how? Where do you see this going? That's what I was going to say. I honestly don't think we'll see that much of a change. And I guess this kind of segues us a bit into that New Yorker article that we meant to talk about the previous week, which is titled, How Much Netflix Can the World Absorb? Yes. Where basically it's showing they're taking this real shotgun approach. And it's like, nobody quite knows what's going to land until it mm. does. So yeah, I don't think they're slowing down or really changing their content strategy. Um, I did find a quote in an article here that made me think a bit of you. Um, I have so many tabs open. Uh, oh, God, what have I done to myself? <laughs> so many Bible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Bible.ca. I'm writing my own translation. Uh, okay, well, I can't find it. But basically, Netflix was saying they're not going to get into sports content, like the rights for any sports, which is like a very pricey type of content to get into. And uh, Greg Peters, yeah, I believe it was Greg Peters, who's now like one of the co-CEOs, was saying like, uh, we're not anti-sports, we're just pro-profit. And I'm like, damn, that's like something George would say. <laughs> Famous. <laughs> Famously battling these anti-sports allegations. I'm not anti-sports, I'm just pro-Rocket League. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, we did play some games of Rocket League before we... Before we started here but i don't want to reveal the scores of those games that's no. in a sealed file yeah <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't great folks that the uh yeah the police will kick down a president's door later on like because they've like just hoarded those files you know yeah <laughs> those files are at uh mar-a-lago yeah, Mar <laughs> sure. they will be revealed in the mar-a-lago yeah <laughs> 
the anchor files, like the tw- like the Twitter files. <laughs> <laughs> Once Elon Musk buys Anchor, and we can really let loose on this thing. <laughs> oh, here we go. Uh, so I wanted to share an interesting stat from the "How Much Netflix Can the World Absorb?" article. Okay. According to a recent study by the streaming analytics firm Antenna, only fifty five percent of U.S. Netflix subscribers who signed up last January stayed on for more than six months. Which is like a very short amount of time. Interesting. What do you think? That, so they must have strategically um, signed up, right? For something. You would think, yeah. It's like they were in and out. It was like a heist. They want to see one particular thing. <laughs> the heist. They're like, we're going to speed run Squid Game and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> that's a movie. Uh, the heist is one of the... That's a movie, right? Did I just... I said uh, a movie, right? <laughs> it sounds like it's a thing. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'm sure at some point in the 120 years of cinema plus... <laughs> There's been something called the heist <laughs> in some language somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah, you would think that might be like a strategic in and out. Um, Netflix, I'm quoting more here. Netflix does not, like some of his competitors, have a deep back catalog of globally popular intellectual property and companies once willing to license their content now withhold it for their own streaming services. Mm. Um, which I thought was an interesting point. Nor does Netflix have another lucrative business arm the way Apple or Amazon does to offset spending on content. What it does have is a head start in the large swaths of the globe. They're still dominated by traditional linear TV, as they call it. So Netflix was kind of like an industry pioneer where it's still like, you know, most people when they think of streaming, they think of Netflix. But I'm thinking what's happened is Netflix has grown to a point where it's like, you can only acquire customers rapidly for so long. It's like there's not an infinite amount of people that they can win over. Mm-hmm. Like right. they're, I don't know what the term would be, market penetration perhaps, or they've mm. like plateaued. Um, Just my thoughts. I, I was listening to Louie on JRE. Hell yeah. Because it dropped like a few hours ago. <laughs> 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 and I'm an insane person. <laughs> Um, and uh, he was talking about how uh, Chris Rock is going to live stream his special through Netflix. Like it's going to oh, be an exclusive whoa. through Netflix. And I think what he said is that's the first time that will ever have happened. Huh. So it'll be a live stream special. Yeah. Because I don't think any streaming service. So what you're saying about Netflix being on the cutting edge, I think very much they're trying to do shit still that no other streaming service is doing, which I appreciate about Netflix, actually. Like, like they still do pioneer a lot of, stuff and like they pioneered also a lot of different genres of shit i find like the the whole genre of the uh real estate reality genre uh they they pioneered that basically right like now all these like amazon prime has like lux listing sydney because netflix ran well netflix walked where they (laughs) ran although that's not a great analogy because lux listing sydney is much worse than fucking uh, it's a step back selling sunsets yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) it's a regression (laughs) um but yeah i mean you know people rag on netflix we rag on netflix but dude there's there's still you know uh, they're young guns, man. They're 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 still doing shit that's like interesting. Yeah, I think I think there's definitely still they still have an appetite for experimentation, and yeah, I mean this whole article is very very long, so we won't get into too much depth. But basically, it shows that like nobody in the entertainment industry can guarantee something is going to be a hit. Mm-hmm. People are always speculating. They're using their best information, but it's like they don't know what the fuck is going on. It's you know, 
Yeah, you don't, and you don't know what you want until you have it. Well, yeah, that's that's something we always talk about with this podcast when we talk about like making tweaks to the formatting. We go back and forth like, oh, people have told us this, people have told us that. And then it's like, yo, people don't know what the fuck they want until they're just told. Yeah. So all you motherfuckers in my DMs being like, the intro isn't mixed properly. The intro is too long. You should <laughs> stay away from talking about certain stuff. What's the Kanye line about like motherfuckers talk so much shit about me in barbershops they forget to get their hair cut? <laughs> it's like that. What, what's the Kanye line that uh okay we're gonna get to it now, baby. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're talking we're talking to you. Hell yeah. I'm I'm uh, I'm drinking a watermelon claw that Amanda brought back that she smuggled in from the United States. Mm. Um that I'm here to report this. Um has two grams of sugar instead Whoa. of one. So the states claws have double the sugar that the they, Canadian they use a different base for the spirit right like it's Is a that right wait it's either here or the states where it's technically a malt liquor mm. and then i think it's a vodka in oh, the other market damn. who's drinking old english but <laughs> which one of us also is drinking this old is english? like hazily remembered information from years ago so again if people on our subreddit are gonna go up my neck about this <laughs> you fucking drunk sort it out yourselves anyway george go on <laughs> Anyway, man, yeah, I don't know. I was just, uh, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm out here trying to watch my sugar. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's 200% the sugar. Well, if I drink three claws, which I often do, yeah. Um, you know, I that's six grams, that's six grams instead of three. You know, it adds up. As I'm drinking a full sugar monster energy drink, I'm like, yeah, imagine having that much sugar. What kind of an animal would do that? <laughs> Yeah, well, this is, like I was saying before we started, this is your home. Like, usually yeah. you drive over to my place, so it's like, you don't have to drive. You can just get wasted. I might just fuck around and let loose. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, we were talking Kanye. Mm-hmm. What's the Kanye line that that is, like, that you go back to the most, that you think of the most? Because he has so many bangers. He has so many bars, obviously. Honestly, I think so much about the line. Just imagine if they caught me on a wild day. That's a From the song... Uh, what is it? It's like Kanye versus the people yes. where T.I. has given a voice to the people being like, why are you wearing a mega hat? And Kanye is like, let me explain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but insane. I love the idea that I guess probably our currently most embroiled in scandal celebrity. Would you say? Oh, yeah. Somebody who has been known for such a long time for making outrageous statements year after year, getting more and more outrageous for him to say on a song like, Oh, this isn't even anything. Yeah, this yeah, isn't yeah. even my crazy days. Like, <laughs> just catch me that. But, you know, I think in the few years since he made that song, we have caught him on many wild days. <laughs> when you're on Alex Jones wearing a full bow clap and Alex Jones is like, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> if that's not a wild day, I, that I, is, I don't know what is. That is the wildest day. The wildest day. Yeah. Um, my, the line I always go back to is uh, these people uh wear suits because they can't dress no more and i don't know why I <laughs> what was song is that from it's 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 an early song it's um uh from the college dropout and it's uh actually it's uh last call so it's the final oh, song yeah, yeah where he has the longest outro ever <laughs> um it's like 10 minutes yeah that song actually has a lot of bars it's like mayonnaise color bend i push miracle yes uh, but the one i go back to is these people <laughs> wear suits because they can't dress no more and then that always makes me feel better about not wearing suits i'm like i actually i'm actually wearing i, I i'm you know i'm out here 
in the shit, like, uh, you know, repping real fashion. You know what I'm saying? Well, I'm, I'm on the cutting edge here. Me right now is talking, wearing fucking house slippers and white socks and <laughs> Seinfeld jeans and a, 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 a Basquiat shirt. Hell yes. <laughs> well, here's my question. What do you think would happen if on Monday you just started showing up to your job wearing suits? Do you think it would be really, like, off-putting for people? Uh, I think people would have some questions yes yeah because I, I feel like if you had done that from day one people would be like oh he's just like a lex friedman type <laughs> but if you just start doing it part way through it's kind of strange <laughs> this like guy has no sex and yeah just wears black suits yeah. and uh what was the video of lex friedman playing guitar in the tesla <laughs> <laughs> it would be funny if we started wearing like lex friedman podcast in suits that would be hilarious i mean we already like kind of go all out on the fashion for our pods yeah well i'm today i'm in a turtleneck because i watched a steve mcqueen movie last night bullet yeah. my dad and i were watching bullet in the living room and then my mom was watching harry and megan in the in the bedroom <laughs> folks uh yeah the domestic space was very divided <laughs> now i'm trying to think of other kanye lines i mean there are so many um wait what song is it it's spaceship where he talks about like making five beats a day for three summers oh yeah just like the way he delivers that with so much conviction it's like even if you haven't made five beats a day for three summers, you're like, yes. <laughs> we did it. Making five pods a day for three summers. We did it, Joe. But what they really do. <laughs> Another Kanye bar. <laughs> what if we had hundreds of episodes of this podcast before we started ever releasing them? <laughs> like, what if we had a vault? <laughs> like Kanye's unreleased, like, yeah. uh, what was it, Yandi album? Yeah. <laughs> I think similar to Kanye, we should constantly allude to future episodes that will just never come out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, dude, release the Yandi tapes, you know? <laughs> oh, um, man. Should I, we? So I read the wrong New Yorker article. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Wait, so, which one did you read? I read the one you referenced about uh, ambient TV. Um, oh. the, the one about Netflix being ambient. Oh, yeah. Which is very interesting because I'm a watch. So let me speak to that one then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, we're just going to talk about The New Yorker <laughs> and Kanye on this episode. It's a real uh... <laughs> opposite ideological ends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so it, that one is about how TV these days is so kind of well edited and so refined, and the plot, the plot. Plots are so non, I don't know, inoffensive, I guess, and um, that it has taken the role, basically, that elevator music or ambient music um, has in our culture. It's like some, a background TV that you can put on and just, like, text to. Right. And um, basically, I think, if I remember correctly from 2020, when everybody else read that article, okay, except for you. You don't, have to, you, don't have, you don't have to do that. It's all up. You don't have to do that. Uh, if I remember correctly, they were saying, basically, Netflix often construct shows such as Emily in Paris to be very easy to follow. And it's like, there's some scenery and like a kind of a gently structured plot, but it's not like you have to, it's not like you look away to send a text and you're like, wait, what happened? Like, yeah. Who's doing this now? It's like, Emily's in Paris. She's getting dicked down by some European guy. And it's very glamorous, you know, um, with no rubber, probably. Well, it's Europe. I don't imagine they're doing that. <laughs> <laughs> 
no. They don't have those yet. <laughs> yeah. That's like any Emily in Paris episode set up. Like she does something and people are like, no, you're an idiot. That's what they do in America. In France, we do something else. And then that's the whole episode. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's very funny that the show is just centered around American imperialism. Like we actually yeah. do do it better though. <laughs> well, okay. And this is my nitpick and I'm aware I'm like a psycho. Okay. So in the show, she has a master's degree. Uh-huh. To have a and, regular and marketing a, job. I know what you're going to say. And she's a woman. How that makes no sense. Well, I was just going to say, as somebody who did a bachelor's in communication, <laughs> nobody I went to school with, we all work in marketing now, and nobody got their master's degree. <laughs> Why the fuck would you? Unless you want to be like a professor or a scholar, which I granted, I've only seen season one of Emily in Paris, but I don't think she's become a professor, has she? <laughs> no she's no she's not uh te- teaching young minds but uh no she like walks around paris wearing like hood by air and stuff and gucci and shit um i, I that was just a joke about the woman the woman thing you guys don't <laughs> yeah go easy on george don't email he's blacko drunk right now <laughs> on two grams of sugar <laughs> from this watermelon claw. this is the most sugar that's ever been in his body he doesn't know what he's saying watermelon sugar <laughs> um yeah so i was gonna say i i have a bit of an issue if i can clap back in the new yorker really quick like oh please here's, do. here's the thing about ambient this this concept of ambient tv i like it it's clever it's new yorker spin on you know this modern sort of uh trend of of uh tv shows and streaming shows particularly netflix shows i like it i like it but here's the thing you anything can be ambient right right <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like whatever you're watching, you can engage with it at at, at any level. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like you you can engage you can be watching a David Lynch movie and that can be your ambient watch. And you could be and you could be texting the whole way through. You know what I'm saying? Or, like because like, I here's the thing. Yeah. I watch Emily in Paris and I fucking watch that shit for the plot, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. New Yorker. I watch it for the plot. Well, yeah, it's also like we can watch the kissing booth and take like 10 pages of notes. So it's kind of up to the viewer to decide what is ambient versus what demands their full attention and like introspection about. This is my issue with it. And I get what it's saying, right? And but I I, I almost feel like it's blaming how good editing has gotten. Mm. Because it's like, it, well, it's not fair to, yeah, it's saying like, it's so, everything is so smoothed out. and But it's like, we've had, you know, inoffensive sitcoms forever. Right. Um, and, yeah, of and course. the only thing that's changed is the editing. And yes, the editing has gotten better. So it feels more ambient because everything sort of flows into each other so much smoother. But don't fucking blame the, the creators of this show for how good quality their fucking show is, how good the transitions are. <laughs> um, like, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. I'm also thinking, imagine being the person, whoever the fuck wrote that article for the New Yorker in 2020, being like, yep, there's my paycheck. Imagine three years later, two dudes on a podcast are like, and another thing. <laughs> like, I, I don't know if they had any idea that their work would have such a legacy. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. And there definitely have been, I'm trying to think of an example. Yeah, I've definitely watched stupid things that are probably ambient TV where it's like, I'm invested. I want to know what happens here. I'm not, you know, looking away. Right? Like, you know, some people watch uh, fucking whatever, The Office. And yeah. that's like their ambient show. You know, they, they have it on in the background or whatever. And some people fucking watch it for the plot, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
Yeah, and it's also like, I would say once I've seen something already, it can become much more ambient on a second that viewing. And that, man, that, I feel like it's weird, you know? You, you, I know so many people, I feel like you probably know a lot of people like this that have watched The Office. Like, particularly The ceaselessly. Office. Like, ceaselessly. Yeah, yeah. They, they're addicted to The Office. And yeah. like, yeah, that'll just, that is literally the function of that show is the ambient show yeah well it's kind of like with podcasts you often hear the phrase like friendship simulator or like parasocial toss around and Uh, i think certain tv shows kind of play that role where it's like you expose yourself to it to the point where you think like these are my friends this is you know as you're spiraling into madness i want our loyalists to get real parasocial with yeah i was gonna say we have decided that we're calling our fan group loyalists i think right yeah i have to yeah i I certainly haven't had any better ideas. (laughs) Yeah. Loyalists. (laughs) Yeah. Man. Should we take a quick break and then get into the the meat of it? Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) All right, folks, we are back. We're back. And the movie this week is Love in the Villa. Which many letterboxed viewers have pointed out is not, in fact, a villa. No, it's actually just in an apartment. Right, right. And uh, one, should we get into letterbox reviews real quick before we yeah, even yeah, introduce let's, it? Let's do it. Let's hit the brain trust. I, I don't think a lot of our listeners will have seen this movie. And uh, I, I'm just going to go out on a limb. And I, I don't think people who are listening to this right now have seen this movie <laughs> most, no most of i them, I, I would, would reckon they haven't so it is from 2022 uh i would say it hit the platform with little to no fanfare and i'd never heard of it until you texted me about it so i think so. it'd be funny to go in blind and uh, for our listeners to go in blind and just hear the letterbox comments on this before yeah. we even get oh, into yeah. what this is <laughs> so uh <laughs> you got your phone out you beat me to it yeah i beat you yeah. to it this time dude i'm ready Dude, I, home, dude, home front, baby. This yeah. Is, this is the fucking, this is a, yeah. This is there, my, was a, this is my house. there was a tumbleweed between us as we both tried to get our phones <laughs> out. I got that home team advantage here. <laughs> um, okay, dude, I, I got some, I have some wild letterbox reviews this time. Go so, off, King. Um, so, okay, here's, so the one I was, ref- so uh, two stars from Ash. When Villa this be over? <laughs> That was actually one of mine that I wanted to read, so I'll scratch that off the list. <laughs> um, here's another one uh, that I liked. Worse the second time, half a star. Worse the second time, in parentheses, watched with my mom to show her Verona. <laughs> Wait, so this person watched it a first time, then they're like, we gotta go back. No, the person... No, 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 no. You were, you were paying Wait, attention. Wait, sorry. You were paying attention. <laughs> Worse the second time, watched with my mom to show her Verona. So she, yeah. So she came back one more time. Like this, the Verona. I, I want to show my mom what Verona <laughs> is like. The only way for me to do this right. is by showing her this two-hour terrible Netflix movie. Where like honestly, you don't even see that much of Verona. <laughs> like you could literally just find like you know those Apple TV screensavers where it like moves very subtly if you look at it for like a couple minutes. Yes. Yeah. So I thought that was Holy very, shit. That was very funny. Um, I want to go in with one. Chloe, two stars. Ah, the classic Netflix rom-com formula. How long until they just get an AI to make these? <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> actually... GP, did Chad GPT write this? Actually, I was reading a really interesting thing on the website of uh, John August, who is a screenwriter who has done a ton of podcasts and had a website for like 10 or 15 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of good writing advice. But he was basically saying like what he thinks 
of chat GPT. And he's basically saying like, it takes people who are not proficient writers to the level of like, can communicate in full English sentences. <laughs> right. But it's like when you try to get it to actually execute a story, like he was feeding it prompts of like, write a knives out mystery. He's like, yeah, you get the sense that there are characters actually communicating with each other, but it still lacks the nuance and like the personality that a human writer would would bring to this. Like it's not a replacement yet. All right. So, you know, we uh, we love Chad GPT on this pod. Chad GPT play. <laughs> uh, okay. So my prompt here was write a movie about two people in Verona. Okay. Let me just do a yeah. quick, quick dramatic reading. <clears throat> Title, Verona's Lovers. Two young lovers, Juliet and Romeo, live. Oh, fuck you! Oh, Living Chad in the GPT. beautiful city of Verona, are torn apart by their family's long-standing feud. Juliet, a Capulet, and Romeo, a Montague, meet by chance at a masquerade ball and fall deeply in love. I mean, wait, this, this sounds bullshit. really good. Are you writing this down? Yeah, we, dude, should, the, the, we should make this. Yeah, this rules. But when their families learn of their love, they forbid them to see each other, <sighs> leading when to that a happens. series of tragic events. Juliet is betrothed to another man, and Romeo is banished from Whoa. Verona. Oh, this this is getting good. Desperate to yeah, be together. Hold the... on, don't give the rest of this away on pod. We might want to develop oh, this into a treatment. Oh, you're yeah, right. Yeah. You're right. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh... <laughs> Chat GPT, describe Romeo's body. <laughs> we'll we'll edit that out, right? Yeah, so we'll, yeah, we'll Chat GPT came up with nothing. You guys, yeah. uh, Chat GPT is bullshit. Fuck Chat GPT for real. All my homies hate Chat GPT. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay. So, uh, oh yeah, letterbox. So let me go back. To Did you get one about the C- the CGI cats in this movie? Oh, yeah. So a lot of hate for, uh, about the CGI cats in the film. Okay, here's one I like. One and a half stars from Deathy. Um, so <laughs> I like this one because it gives it one and a half stars, but then it converts it into their own... the. Uh, the user converts the rating into their own per- personal rating. Nice. Uh, so th- they go score, colon, 3.4 out of 10. <laughs> what the fuck? Like, you just converted your rating into a, also, a this different isn't rating. IMDB. We don't go out of 10 with decimal points. This is letterboxed, motherfucker. <laughs> this isn't uh, RogerEbert.com. Yeah. I liked it. I always liked how he went out of four stars. He did a four star, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 But then they also did two thumbs up on uh, Siskel and Ebert, right? True. Thumbs to stars to points. It's all very complex. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, okay. Here's, here was the one that I really wanted to get into. I, I got deep into this one. So um, <laughs> there is a user named Pablo Honey. Okay. <laughs> Which. Yeah. The Radiohead album. The, right? yeah. the original Radiohead album. Yes. I believe. Yeah. Um, nice. uh, here's uh, two stars. Here's their review. Cat Graham is becoming a rom-com queen. This is the star of the film. I love to see it. Even if I didn't liked this movie a lot, I hope she keeps getting jobs on this field. If you know how bad she was treated during her years on Vampire Diaries, it was living hell for her. You would know how much she deserves bigger and bigger opportunities. And this is like a deranged like stan of Cat Graham, I think. <laughs> and <laughs> dude, and then I so <laughs> there were comments on that review. Oh, and then I went into the review comments. Oh, <laughs> and uh, here are a few comments on that oh, review. No. So let's go. Um, is every from, from Paulo? 
is everything good, dude? You haven't logged or reviewed anything in a while. I hope everything is fine. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so they posted this comment and then just disappear. (laughs) Here's another one from Angier Corleone. Another comment on that review. Hey, man, I hope everything's okay with you. (laughs) Smiley (laughs) face. Another one from Pat Estavies. Pablo Cade 2, which I'm assuming is like Portuguese for like, are you okay? Yeah. Any, are you okay? Are you okay? Wow. Nobody has ever tried to do a wellness check on any of my letterbox reviews. For real. Now I'm like, do people even care about me when they see me (laughs) logging the rules of attraction for like a 10th time? Here's one more in that review. Angier Corleone sent me. I'm hoping to build up friendships on the apps and to comment on each other's reviews. (laughs) Follow for follow? Wow, you you really went deep with this one. I, I have one more review. Okay. This is from Regina. Aw, her clothes are ugly, frowny face. <laughs> Which, yes, I would say Cat Graham in the first half of this movie probably wears some of the wackest fits we've seen on pod so far. Right. Wearing the like I Heart Italy like pink hoodie. That wasn't her choice, man. When... Come on. Come on. Well, no, I'm saying like it was the character. To show how, like, uh, I don't know, how demented she is. She got her uh, dress, uh, what, what, something got on her dress, right? Oh, or her clothes were, like, lost. I think. I already forgot everything that happened in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) And I took notes. You're, like, uh, you're browsing on incognito mode when you watch this movie. (laughs) I was too busy thinking of that translation of. Job seven. <laughs> um, this is our job. Yeah, <laughs> our day job. <laughs> Don't quit your day job. Um, so yeah, I was gonna say, love in the villa. It's always a good sign when before you watch a movie, you look at like the call sheet on Letterbox, and you're like, I don't recognize a single fucking name involved with this movie. That is all. However, I did realize the director of this also did the movie Ghost Rider with Nicolas Cage. Yes, and (laughs) I I was gonna say, I was I looked at the director's filmography as well, um, and the only other so. This director is a bit of an auteur. <laughs> um, and they, uh, so they wrote and directed and produced this film. And the only other movie, so they, yeah, they've done some writing for Ghost Rider uh, and uh, some other like uh, kind of dumb movies. But uh, the only other movie that they've written and directed was When in Rome. <laughs> huh. So this director is like obsessed with Italy. <laughs> I That's think. very specific. This yeah. is a passion project for them, is That's, what I think. So I wonder if this director has, like, I don't know, met his spouse, like, in Italy or right. something. Right. Or perhaps he's just aware that, like, this is a very easy way to write a movie. <laughs> perhaps. Perhaps, yeah. Uh, American and, you know, North American viewers love the sort of the travel you know, vicarious yeah. travel. What would you call this? Like, Well, uh, the Emily in Paris, yes. this. Just the idea of ascribing a certain romanticism and significance to like you know much you know much like shakespeare did in the original romeo and juliet right right because the whole reason he set those plays in italy was like it was this romantic place right yeah i think you know right well i you think it had that reputation back then too like in the 14 1500s 1400s 
I wish I had paid more attention in school now because I feel like at one point I did know this answer. Because <laughs> so, well, they even reference this in the movie, but it's like Shakespeare, obviously, so this movie, so yeah, it takes place in Verona. Those of you who don't know, so Verona, you know, the loca- the locale of uh, Romeo and Juliet. Romeo like, plus Juliet. Romeo plus Juliet <laughs> we only acknowledge the Baz Luhrmann version <laughs> with Leo and Claire Danes. <laughs> Two houses, both alike in dignity, and fair Verona, where we played our scene, etc., etc. I know the rest. I just don't want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Taking too much of your time. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's the backdrop. But you know, a lot of people speculate Shakespeare had never even stepped foot in it, mm. which is interesting. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? I remember one thing from school. Well, a few things, <laughs> but this is one of them. Right. So basically, uh, Thomas Middleton who was another big playwright around the time of mm-hmm. Shakespeare. Um, his And it's speculated he did some like ghostwriting on one of the ghost scenes writing. like in Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> he ghost wrote the whip. Uh, but basically he's not nearly the household name Shakespeare is because a lot of his plays required specific knowledge of like time and place. Mm. Whereas Shakespeare stuff, like, yeah, it's set in Verona, but I was like, whatever, the story could occur totally. anywhere. There's nothing specific about Verona that makes it necessary to have an understanding of history to enjoy it. So it's like Shakespeare's work did benefit from his kind of universality where it's like, it's just a good solid story that's told. It happens to be in this place, but yeah, you don't need to do a deep dive. A good fun Rob about two, Uh, you know, two teenagers, like being teens who suicide themselves, who make a kissing booth. Yeah. It's it's kind of the original kissing booth, if you will. It, It really is, man. Um, yeah, so I was going to say also we were talking about how romantic the setting is. Have you seen the movie Barbarian? Because <laughs> no, that's another premise where it's like a double booked Airbnb. That movie takes some very horrific uh, story <laughs> avenues, but that's in Detroit. Whereas if the same thing happens to you in Verona, it becomes a love story. <laughs> oh, dude, I'd never even heard about this. There was a lot of references about Barbarian. Yes, on literally, I was, I was thinking about Barbarian because that's how the movie begins. It's with a a woman showing up at night to what she believes is an Airbnb that she's booked mm. and that's been double booked. And uh, lots of very f- cool things happen in that movie. It's it's a great horror movie. I've um, been big in my horror bag recently. I don't know if you've been watching what I'm logging oh, on yes. Letterboxd. I'm always watching. Nobody has you done know, a wellness check on me yet, but I've I've logged a lot of horror. You know recently. how voyeuristic I am in the, in the, in the Letterboxd. <laughs> the voyeurs. <laughs> Uh, oh man, so, sorry, I, I forgot to read one letterbox review. Let yeah, me just yeah. get this out. Uh, Ezra didn't even didn't even give this a rating. Ezra Miller, um, which I hate. I hate when people don't give it any star. Like, they oh just yeah, oh. that's fucking bullshit. Drives me off the wall. Yeah, uh, like in Rocket League. <laughs> yeah, that annoys me as much as when people exit the match in Rocket League. It's oh like you God. fucking stay here. <laughs> that annoys me as much as uh, when people say lived experience. Oh. Cause, the okay, worst. Because listen, I'm not being, I, I swear I'm not being a dick, but it's like, just say experience. Yes. It means the same. It's just redundant. You have to be alive to have the experience. Right? Like it's, Dead people are not having experiences. It, it's just redundant. Oh, it's the worst, man. Just say experience. Yeah. There's no difference. This is you having a mental breakdown at your woke book club. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry, what was the letterbox thing, though? So it was, um, 
Uh, so Ezra says, I'm in the middle of like three movies right now, but I am not going to finish Whoa. this one. So I will go ahead and log it, which is so funny to, also, lo- to log it before you finish, which I did actually <laughs> originally when I watched this movie, I'm like halfway through, I'm like, I feel pretty confident about two and a half stars. For this. I was going to say, so I'm a, I'm a purist as well as a loyalist. I will not log something until I reach the end credits. I respect that. Where it's like, you know, there's a lot of shit last year where I watched half of it. Didn't finish, not in my letterbox. Oh, dude, I respect that so much. Yeah. I really do. I really do. <laughs> but, I, but not everyone has the integrity I do, you know? <laughs> so uh, he continues, it was so boring. We only watched it as a humorous precursor to Barbarian, which we didn't get to finish either due to unfortunate events. Wait, what happened? Also, it was my birthday. I'm 18. <laughs> <laughs> Ezra, I'm, I'm worried. I'm so worried. Well, let's check on Ezra. Please. Damn. Please. If anyone can confirm that Ezra is okay. <laughs> Ezra Miller. <laughs> Ezra, yeah. I was waiting for that one. He to is take not home. okay. Yeah, we need to talk about Ezra. <laughs> we need to talk about Ezra. Yeah. Friend of the fought, Ezra Miller. <laughs> You'll always have a USB that you can plug your mic into. Yeah. Uh, Provided in, you in and Jacob Alordi don't double book on the same day. Oh, God, no. Who would you pick over those two? Well, definitely Jacob. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, sorry I asked. I mean, Ezra uh, wasn't in the fucking kissing booth, so. You're right. You yeah, know. You're right. Um, yeah, <sighs> should we just get into a very brief plot synopsis? Okay, let's go. Uh, why don't I kick things off? Yes, so, you should. this movie, uh, I looked this term up to make sure I was using it correctly, because I've seen this, like, on social media. It's a enemies to lovers arc. Yes, correct. Which... I am led to believe is a common trope in romance. So basically these two characters encounter each other. There's a lot of friction. Yeah. I don't really get why they hate each other so much. (laughs) They they, they they hit hit each other in the face. They should (laughs) hate the negligent landlord more. (laughs) Like, yeah. Anyway, so we have this uh, American woman from Minneapolis. Minneapolis catches a lot of strays in this movie. Nobody respects it. No um i like it and she has this vacation book to italy to verona specifically she was going to go with her long-term boyfriend who dumps her because she's really fucking annoying uh she and, like, goes plans everything yes yeah. yes psychotic to a psychotic degree yeah. um she goes thinks she has this place booked where it's like it has a view of the romeo and juliet balcony uh she finds it is not her place there's actually this british guy staying there who is very conventionally attractive uh sparks fly they realize they have feelings for each other late in the movie they're kind of both in some way reunited with their exes and then they end up picking each other so that's the very broad strokes outline of what yes. we're what we're dealing with here yeah. so right away in my notes okay i wrote so we're introduced to julie who is a teacher yes right so you know how there's been a lot of talk in like the culture wars recently about like, oh, we don't want our children being exposed to like drag story hour, all this stuff. <laughs> this this teacher story hour I'm really concerned about is her giving way too passionate of a reading of Romeo and Juliet to third graders. <laughs> yeah. Like that's what I do not want my future kids seeing. Like a teacher having a mental breakdown and like moaning as she's reading the Shakespeare. Like she's definitely yeah, I was gonna say she's sopping wet under that she, dress that she's wearing. It's, Dare I say the only psychosexual element of this movie is in like the first minute. 
George almost somehow, <laughs> spat his white claw on the keyboard. Because <laughs> you just you always find a way, man. As that this movie, is... <laughs> a, a quote from this movie: "Love finds a way," which is a derivative of the quote: "Life finds a way." <laughs> You'll remember from Jurassic Park. <laughs> so also, psychosexual I thought, always finds a way. <laughs> I thought from the first scene, like, oh, she's like a fucking nutty spinster. It's like, no, you've had a long-term boyfriend this whole time. It's like. Well, stop moaning and groaning as you're reading Shakespeare. It's even as a young kid in that classroom, I I would be able to tell like this teacher's some screws are loose, you know? Oh yes, absolutely. yeah, she is untethered, and um, the principal of the school seems equally untethered. Um, yeah, so, so, I mean <laughs> yeah. he's uh, sort of visibly gay, and uh, yeah, I mean I'm not. Yeah, you know that that's all, that's wait, all fine. But... Wait, did we tweet at Ryan Johnson to make sure that this character is gay? Oh, <laughs> I think so, we need to ask RJ. This is well, he does live with a dude. We do yeah. see this later in the film, so one can assume. <laughs> one can assume. Um, some uh, here's a line from this principal. So um, he uh, basically he's talking about so after uh, her and her boyfriend break up, and she decides to go to Verona by herself. Um, solo dolo solo bolo she's on her kid cuddy she's making speeding bullet to heaven. <laughs> the best kid cuddy album <laughs> um she he calls her and he he's asking her how she's doing and he goes uh on a scale of one to adele how bad is it and uh, i was thinking man like what about on a scale of one to midsummer? <laughs> you know, yeah, you, you know what I mean. In terms of like a painful breakup, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um. Anyway, yeah, he's he's a fun character. I kind of like the side characters in this movie, to be honest. <laughs> there was I, there were some fun side characters. Yeah, no, it's like they had fun with the film. You know what? I think the movie overall is very dumb, but I think everybody is like well cast for what the roles actually are. Totally. Which is like a very lukewarm backhanded compliment to give, I guess. But um, the other side character that I like, you sort of uh, alluded to, is the Airbnb host. Yes. So that guy fucking rocks. Who double books um, the handsome British man and uh, the teacher into this villa, this romantic villa in Verona, um, sort of the source of you know the the entire conflict of this film. Um, what I like about him is uh, he is explaining to them how this double booking happened. And, he, yes. and this is probably the funniest scene of the film because, you know, this movie alleges to be a comedy. It's not. Um, <laughs> Alleged, but not proven. No. Um, uh, <laughs> it, it beat the allegations. <laughs> it beat the comedic allegations. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, uh, but there's one pretty funny scene i i thought where he's explaining so yeah like i handle the bookings for house and host which is like the company that the british guy yeah booked through um and my uh oh sorry you know, he, he goes my wife handles the house and host bookings and he goes my girlfriend handles the bookings for the other like the other company that uh, yeah <laughs> the airbnb or whatever um that she booked through so it's like yeah i this guy rules <laughs> this dude's awesome classic exploitative landlord male manipulator type this dude's awesome the movie should have been about him and he goes my girlfriend is not so smart yeah <laughs> that's why this was a mix up. this guy's just ragging on his girlfriend it's so funny this dumb bitch fucked up again <laughs> <laughs> yeah that guy rocks yeah 
<laughs> um, we also have the side character of like the very cartoonish uh, like taxi driver. Ooh, yes, who, Uberto. Who, yes. So there's the joke. So she arrives at the airport to Verona. Um, and it seems to be the first time she's ever flown, right? Right. Yeah. She seems not worldly at all. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's being very weird on this flight and like before the flight and after. Like, it's like she's... nobody has ever allowed her to leave Minneapolis <laughs> and then she just makes a break for it. Like she's spilling drinks on herself. Yeah. She's like, she's being insane. But um, yeah, so she's uh, outside of the airport and waiting for an Uber. And then, uh, yeah, the joke is there's this like yeah. weird looking uh, dude named Uberto who picks her up instead and is like a really bad driver. Yeah, and he's in a little Fiat 500 and he's doing all sorts of uh, stunts behind the wheel. He's Yeah, he is stunned. Like looking away from the road and being like, ah, oh, you have to try my mother's cannoli. And she's like, oh, we're going to die. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a very dumb physical comedy, but it's, you know. No, it's whatever. I, I was going to talk about this though because he's un, he's an unofficial Uber, right? And he yes, right? Because he goes, uh, she goes, "Are you an Uber?" He goes, "No, no, no I'm Uberto." So yeah. he's like an unlicensed Uber picking people up from the airport. And I was I wanted to tell this story. So when I went to Montreal, um, I, me, Nick, Amy, and uh, Amanda, we arrived into Montreal Airport, and we were similarly, you know, trying to catch an Uber, and um, you know, finally I got one, and uh at one so we're waiting for him to come and he con he texts me at one point and, okay and he goes do you have cash on you and always get, a good sign and i get a little yeah <laughs> and i get a little sketched out i go i don't know because i do actually have cash on me because we brought the cash mm. um because we got the bag but but he doesn't need to know that he doesn't need to know that and i don't know what he what he's sort of like fishing for angling yeah, yeah. what his angle is and so he comes, he comes and he picks us up and it's all good. And he goes like, uh, yeah, man. So do you have cash? Uh, and I, cause I'm in the front seat and I'm talking to him and he's French. So, you know, he's, he's doing his best. And, uh, and, <laughs> and, you know, I'm trying to speak my terrible French to yeah. him too. I'm yelling my terrible <laughs> French at him. Like me at New Year's. The, the louder you speak it, the more comprehensible it gets. Yes. And, um, I go, I'm still like, I don't know, do I? <laughs> like, yeah. like, I'm still really kind of sketched out by this. And he goes like, yeah, like if you have cash, basically like I can just cancel this fare or you, you should just cancel this fare and basically give me the cash that this would have cost. So it was like $40 yeah. or whatever. And uh, he goes like, yeah, so what we can do is you just cancel the Uber and give me 40 bucks like under the table so that uber doesn't take whatever percentage it takes from him <laughs> okay <laughs> so, we so at this point he's just an illegal cab driver <laughs> yes yeah exactly so i end up being like okay fine because then i realize I, I just don't have to pay the tip i guess right so right um so and i'm like and 40 like, bucks 40 bucks cool he's like yeah and so i end like up canceling the uber and just give yeah. him 40 bucks huh. um Cause I'm like trying to be cool. And I'm like, do a lot of people do this in Montreal? He's like, Oh yeah. Which also like, <laughs> he's like, Oh yeah. Everybody does this. You're the first person that's ever fallen for it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, I guess the, he's taking on all the risk there. Like exactly. as a passenger, you can play the card of like, I don't know this weird French man strong armed me. Yeah. Like, exactly and um <laughs> uber sensor agents to come execute you <laughs> a no knock warrant <laughs> dude so i tried to okay and so uh um 
re- uh, this year, you know, um, at New Year's, I told my story on episode three about uh, or four about um, my New Year's. Yeah. My wild New Year's. And <laughs> <laughs> as uh, I was as we were taking an Uber to our event downtown, <laughs> I was again in the front seat and I to the Uber driver went like, do you take cash? <laughs> <laughs> once was... the ride had like already commenced though? Yes, once the, it, was, it was like mid ride and I was like, oh, do you take cash? Like, uh, right. I think you can sort of cancel it halfway through as well. Like you can cancel But can't it. the app tell that you've like gotten in the car and been moving I, with it? I think if you, I'm not I sure, know. but I, 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 I looked at my app and I was like, I think I can still cancel it and i was like yeah dude i was trying to basically reverse engineer it i was like right. trying to convince this guy because i had some cash yeah and i was like i don't think i'm gonna be spending this like i, I want to get rid of this cash right and i was like do you take cash <laughs> and uh he was like because i took out a, a lot of cash uh for new year's and uh he was like no man i can get in a lot of trouble for this <laughs> probably the right answer <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that's the kind of thing that needs to be agreed upon before the car starts moving. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I was gonna say actually in my notes, I wrote a reminder to myself. So there's a scene in the movie where their uh landlord who's renting the apartment very boldly after this huge fuck up where both of them are staying there is like, give me five stars. Weren't you bullied by an Airbnb host once to give yes. five stars despite a terrible experience? Yes. So, You've had weird experiences on every app, I feel. So <laughs> why don't you tell that story? Because I remember it was a good one. Uh, yeah. So we when we went to LA with the boys, um, the last air we stayed at a couple different places, but the last Airbnb we stayed in was um, it had like a good rating. Here's the thing: it had a good rating. And it was downtown. Um, it was in a bit of a sketchy area. So as soon as we got in, we were a little bit like, Ugh. Skid Row? <laughs> yeah, it was a tent. It was just a tent <laughs> on Skid Row. You're like, just like Vancouver. I feel at home. <laughs> um, and when we got in, yeah, we were a little bit dubious. But we were like, this place seems fine. And then nighttime hit and then all the roaches came out oh no work yeah freaks come out at night yeah so uh we would like go to the bathroom try to brush our teeth roaches on the mirror roaches on Jesus. the wall roaches on the floor this is roach motel. wow yeah um and so we're like this place sucks dude like there's roaches everywhere and we wake up the next morning like we're gonna destroy this guy on airbnb we're gonna naturally yeah we're gonna get toxic that's uh, in the chat you know yeah the, i mean roaches is a pretty clear <laughs> violation yeah, yeah um and we start and you know we start to get ready to to we're packing up and we're talking about it and the guy sends us a uh, a message and he goes i hope you give me five stars <laughs> and we read and we read that as very ominous we're like what do you mean by that? And then we got really sketched. We sketched ourselves out. Like, mm. I hope you give me five stars. Like, is this guy going to like, what if happens if we tell the truth about Roach Motel? Like, is he going to like, like out, like, uh, is he going to try to grab you as soon as he go outside? Or like, like is he going to try to frame some sort of damage mm. on us? You know, like hmm. we did some damage to the Airbnb or some so shit like that. So question for you. What kind of punctuation was oh, after that dude, message? We got to take a break. So you'll find out right after Okay. <laughs> all right we are back we're back folks 
and uh sorry you were gonna ask me something do you remember yeah what what was was the punctuation at the end of that message was it just like a period like a totally flat affectless i hope you leave a five-star review period i remember the feeling of it as a period i don't remember Mm. if it was literally a period but i remember feeling the weight of the period what if it had been like a winky face emoji (laughs) that would have been a very different tone even more yeah yeah (laughs) or like a uh purple devil emoji <laughs> purple like <eggplant emoji. laughs> um yeah so we were basically strong-armed into yeah. like giving him a five we gave him like four i think it was like four stars or four and a half stars <laughs> <laughs> that's very funny after all that to be yeah. like, we'll meet in the middle yeah dude i i don't like how these people on the apps are trying to push you around but like you know what i mean like we, we got kind of sketched out yeah. right? you know what i'm saying uh yeah huh well also i've heard kind of anecdotally well i've surmised this from reading various things on social media i think there is a pushback against airbnb now yes because it's like you can go to a hotel the understanding is you can fuck it up within reason it's all included in the price whereas airbnb is just like okay you're paying this cleaning fee but then certain owners will be like oh you didn't take the trash out so that's like whatever and it's like no fuck you i paid a cleaning fee already like yeah. what is that if not for cleaning so it's like and, and I find a lot of my friends, like, uh, we were planning this trip with Nick. And, yeah. And uh, I was like, what if we just do hotel? Yeah. And uh, it's like, people don't think about that anymore. I feel like the pendulum is shifting yes. back to hotels because, yeah, the expectations can be kind of unclear with an Airbnb. And it's like, if you get into these sort of misunderstandings that can affect your future ability to book Airbnbs, whereas, like, if I go to the fucking Hilton in Miami and fuck it up, you know, the... Sheraton Vancouver is never going to know about that. They're not going <laughs> to refuse me as a customer. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Anyway, I digress. Um, should we get back into the movie? Yeah, let's talk about this stupid thing. Where were we? So, so. <laughs> okay, so the basically the conflict in this movie derives mm-hmm. from the fact that they're sharing this Airbnb at first, and um, they neither of them are in a romantic place yet so that yeah this is the enemies to lovers arc so their enemy phase is them basically enacting these pranks on one another these elaborate pranks in An order escalating to, prank war yeah in order to get the other yeah like roman atwood like a roman atwood vlog <laughs> yeah so basically um, trying each... to kick the other out of the airbnb so julie and charlie both want the airbnb for themselves so we should say he's in town for this like wine festival yes because he's like, is it a wine buyer for like a restaurant group or something? Yes. We're led to believe he has like an important, pretty good job. Yes. And yeah. he buys bulk wine for that he imports into the... So he's doing like annoying sommelier shit and yes. like swirling wine around and stuff. Yes. Yeah. A lot of swirling. But basically, yeah, these two people initially really do not like each other. Yes. And I want to ask you, have you ever, have you ever gone through an enemies to lovers arc? <sighs> That's such a good question. <laughs> Did Amanda hate you when she met you? <laughs> She's like, oh, this guy's so annoying. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I I wouldn't say it was an enemies to lovers arc, but mm. uh, my first serious girlfriend, we'd like known each other for a long time. Right. I, I wouldn't say we were necessarily enemies <clears throat> before we started right. dating, but we were like very... Do you think she's a listener? <laughs> that would be so funny. <laughs> One of the 36 strong. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, I 
it, we weren't necessarily enemies, but we were definitely like, I don't know. We, we, we had known each other for a long time. Right. Because we'd been in the same classes together for a long time and like had never really spoken to one mm. another. Um, in fact, we were sort of involved in a little tiff. So uh, in a Toronto International Film Festival. <laughs> um in grade seven we holy shit uh it was me and my buddy max used to go and uh this russian kid and he got he's so dude he's so russian he's the most russian this ginger russian kid and he um somebody had friended him on msn messenger okay Um, it was in he had no prior knowledge of who this person i forget how this happened but he got this basically like random friend request from msn messenger and it was this this girl whatever chloe um and he uh, told me one day like i'm talking to this girl named chloe on msn Mm. and i'm like what okay like and i I was getting very jealous at this point right god damn like you got this random unsolicited this smoke show yeah i mean (laughs) we didn't know what she looked like but yeah he'd been talking to her a lot right okay and um you know sometimes he'd like come over to my house and like we'd send messages together like it was very exciting and uh this this was yeah it was completely unprecedented times and he uh the school dance was coming up at marlboro elementary and uh, uh chloe sends him this message she goes Holy i'm shit. actually you know enrolling in marlboro elementary soon wait what yeah and we go <laughs> what <laughs> like the school dance is coming up and she goes i'm actually my first day is going to be the day of the dance we're like holy shit whoa and uh we're both so excited like holy fuck like this guy's gonna meet chloe yeah on the day of the school dance like oh no i'm afraid this is going to set him up for crushing disappointment dude this is what makes incels (laughs) and this is the stuff incels are made of (laughs) (laughs) this guy is definitely one of our listeners now (laughs) dude what the fuck happened i I gotta know so listen um uh it's the day of dance and uh we're in the gym it's all the lights are off baby fucking uh, nickelback's photograph is probably playing um what else would have been playing at the time (laughs) Um, uh, fallout boys yeah uh sugar we're going down some, I, i've some been mean like this i've been revisiting a lot of fallout boy recently <sighs> I've been, there have been a few days where i've been like the last one in the office and i'm just cranking fallout boy <laughs> you are the fallout boy. yeah <laughs> the titular fallout yeah. boy i like always make sure the electronic lock on the door is set so like people can't wander <laughs> in off the street it's like this is a fallout boy cave because i like can't see the door from my desk it's like behind the wall so i'm like lock this up put on the fallout boy <laughs> You're Fallout Boy pills. So um, I'm panic at the disco pills right now. Ooh, nice. So it's the day of the school dance, and uh, Chloe's, you know, she's supposed to be here somewhere. She told him to meet yeah. him um, it, basically by the whatever, by, by in the side of the gym by the entry. Right. Um, during the school dance. And, and so was it waiting. like he's wear a particular item of clothing or anything? Or it's just like it would be obvious? I forget what it was. There was some sort of. Thing. it's like meet me by the mm. wall this uh, the basketball hoop or some bullshit like so he's standing there he's waiting for her and um and i'm not there because i don't want to cramp his style right like so oh, i'm no. sort of hanging back i'm watching yeah. from a distance i'm being voyeur yeah um and you're peeking what, through the blinds yes i'm a peaky blinder as well and <laughs> you're blue velvet peeking through the closet <laughs> slats <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
and, very psychosexual. And um, what happens is these three girls from our class come oh, up no. to him. Yeah. Oh, no. And then I just see my buddy coming back to me like fucking oh, my red. God. His face matches his red hair. Like, no, dude. And he just goes and he just storms out. Like he just walks past me, like wow. storms out. I follow him. I'm like, what happened, man? What happened? We're by the Whoa. lockers. I'm like, dude, what happened? He goes like, <sighs> Maria's Chloe. <laughs> this Holy like, shit. This is like the twist from Ace Ventura. The one. <laughs> Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is Finkel. The transphobic twist from Ace Ventura 1. He's like, Maria's Chloe. Oh She's my been God. Chloe all along. I'm like, holy so shit. What? So he got fully catfished. So the end goal was always to just embarrass him and get to, his hopes up? Yeah. Uh, was, did these girls have like a vendetta against him? Yeah, like, there was what? some sort of minor feud. And I believe so my ex, anyway, the reason I was telling the story originally is I think my ex-girlfriend was sort of involved in this in, in a tangential, very tangential oh. way. There's a group of girls that were, I'm sorry if I'm bes- besmirching her name, but uh, if you weren't involved, oh, I, 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 I am sorry. Again, but, I doubt she's a listener, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so what he does, he's, he's in a rage. You know, he's, he, he's in fully rage mode and he takes a Sharpie from his classroom yeah. and he writes, uh, this is not over yet on their lockers. Whoa. This isn't over yet in Sharpie. Let's go. <laughs> Dude, it was so dramatic. I, I felt like I was in fucking like some 13 reasons why shit. Yeah. I was like, well, that my life a movie. That could be somebody's like 13 reason why. <laughs> Holy shit. That's so mean. And uh, the next day, the principal called him into the office, and uh, he basically made him like paint the walls of the school <laughs> as like a punishment. Yeah, because they found out who did this. They like all they called us into like the principal's office one by one because they like uh... <laughs> yeah so yeah they're like we would corroborate they're stories. like who's the ghost in a horror movie who wrote this phrase on the locker? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this ominous phrase. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's uh so wait intense. is it black swan where she writes like whore on the mirror and <laughs> lipstick and then tries to like <laughs> yes. erase it yes <laughs> that's what your friend did when he went home he was their whore on his he mirror he was the red swan holy shit dude wow i'm reeling from that story right i wonder if that like influenced that guy's whole development and like outlook with women if that was a branching path yeah it may have been a branching because like there's a bizarro universe where that never happened to him i know yeah. and maybe things turn out a bit better in the bizarro universe <laughs> that's Sh- shouts out max i mean if that happened in 2022 he would have uh become an andrew tate hustlers university type guy oh absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. oh man i know wow i know i'm i'm so thankful i've never been catfished now there's more plot to that story than the entire movie that we're fucking right talking about. oh yeah <laughs> the fucking movie right <laughs> so i was going to say i think maybe what appeals to people about the enemies to lovers arc is like this level of like heightened passion because hate yes. is a very you know it can be very exciting you're in this state of arousal you're very elevated and love and passion are also kind of the same. So it's almost like two sides of the same coin. Yeah. But also, I was going to say one thing further. I don't think I've ever gone through a love, uh, wait, enemies to lovers arc. Mm. I think I've maybe gone through, like, if you start from a more neutral place or even like a bit of a place of skepticism, but I don't think anybody's ever been like my enemy and I've hated them and we've slept together. Um, right. Although, yeah, yeah I mean, 
but you're right. I mean, yeah, it is, it is all about the emotion, right? And yeah. it's, I think it's the same sort of beat that like, you know, angry sex, the whole idea right. of angry or makeup sex. It's like right. you go from this heightened state of, uh, not necessarily hatred, but um, animosity to this right. heightened state of uh, romance or uh, passion, right? Yeah. Uh, there's something to that. Well, it's very European. Also, <laughs> it's very European. Uh, in this movie, like when they finally get together, it's not framed as like, we hate each other so much, we just have to fuck. Um, it's framed right. as like, we've learned to love each other and we complete each other and all this stuff. Whereas there are a few ways I would re rewrite this movie, uh -huh. but I did write in my notes around the halfway mark of the movie. I'm like, what's to stop the movie from just ending right now? Like they realize they like each other. They go for it. That's a wrap. This uh -huh. movie only needs to be an hour long yeah. because when each of their exes resurfaces in this movie, that's so late in the runtime. It's yeah. like that should have happened as soon as they realized they had feelings for each other to yeah. kind of complicate things more because there's like a portion of the movie, like 20, 30 minutes. Also, it's like two hours long, which is not good. Yeah. There's too much in the movie where it's like they realize they both have feelings and they just don't act on it. And it's like, what are the stakes here? Why are they not just doing this? It's an hour 55 long, which is like the same trick that like grocery stores do when make something like one ninety nine <laughs> yeah. or like five ninety nine. It's, it's like just... you're six, you're fucking six dollars. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're two hours. Yeah. Stop, you're not stop tricking to... us. Yeah. You're not tricking us, man. You trying to pull one over on the Netflix boys? Dog, you got another thing. Coming, <laughs> yeah. Man. It'll be a cold day in hell before we get tricked. <laughs> the coldest winter in hell. Yeah. <laughs> Memories made in the coldest winter. Um, uh, I mean, yes. Uh, I think we should talk about some of the pranks that happened. In, yes, in which film. are wild. Yeah. So the they, CGI cats will come into play. So the British man, Charlie, Charlie is who she keeps shaming for being tall, which yeah. has never happened in the history of women. Yeah, it's not like, oh, I met this handsome guy. He's such a tall freak. He should be ashamed of himself. It's yeah. like, get real. Yeah, which, I mean, I guess there are, like, you know, like the tallest man in the world. How old is that? How tall is that motherfucker? We were looking what, at the what, fattest man in the world the other week. Not on pot. We were just doing it recreationally. <laughs> uh, like, tallest living human? Yes. Uh, What's your guess? I don't know, like seven and a half feet? Okay, eight feet, Whoa. 11 inches, almost nine feet. What? Yeah. Where? Um, and how old is this oh, guy? Oh, sorry, this is all time, I think. So this was, uh, oh yeah, this, yeah, this was a um, man that, gentleman that lived between 1918 and 1940. Um, but didn't have too long of life, I noticed. <laughs> and um, it's almost like being nine feet tall is not optimal for think, longevity so currently uh i think just eight feet eight, eight okay feet two inches is as tallest right now um huh. it from um turkey i think hmm. turkish so do you <laughs> my, my question is do you think this guy gets pussy <laughs> oh sorry we're guy, talking about the does this guy get ass yeah of course yeah i mean like is there such a thing guy? is there really such a thing as too tall because you know there are you know this guy is I feel like at that point like I'm not you gonna, just he, enter. He is abnormally tall. At, but at that point, I think you enter like fetish, kind of like mm. circus sideshow territory, yeah. where it's like there are going to be people who are like, I sure. need to know what that's like. Right, 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 right. What? <laughs> what if you're that tall but you had a tiny dick? <laughs> 
Like oh. it wasn't proportional at all. Oh, man. <laughs> that would be tough. Because, like, looking at somebody who's eight feet tall, you'd be like, you know, yeah. this guy's got peace. But yeah. might not be the case. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I digress. The prank war, the the cats. We should bring back, you know? <laughs> no, 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 no. I want to digress a little more. I want my third white claw. <laughs> you know what we should do is we should bring back uh not bring back but we should bring more european naked boys men statues into north america we should import some here's why um all the uh unadorned unadoubt what's the thing uh i am so curious where this is going (laughs) all the gentlemen who are weren't blessed blessed with a large penis i think i get where you're going with this now you know europeans made having a small dick yes no because it was a sign of like intellect and refinement and it was viewed as like crass to have a big dick (laughs) which shout out to sculptors for being great at gaslighting being like um actually it's bad what are you gay or something yeah it's actually not good yeah That's so funny, dude. That's such a funny psyop that That's Europeans so did fucking funny. on their whole culture. Yeah, those fucking <laughs> you know nerds mean? who are sculpting the statues, yeah. being like, "Correct, yeah." Actually, we're gonna we're gonna make a ruling on this. Um, there's that one statue store near SFU that I think has yes. a bunch of uh, yes. like little cherubs and yeah, little dick statues. I mean, I'm not talking about like little boy, like the cherub boys. Oh, with the small right, dicks. but like adult, like the statue yeah. of David or whatever. Yeah. Grown ass men with tiny, yeah. yeah, not little boys with the same size dicks, right? <laughs> right, like the rest of the body scales up, but the, yeah. <sighs> <laughs> so, let us, folks, let us know how you're enjoying this episode at howoriginalpod at gmail.com. Let us know if it's better in my house or in Pat's house, which I think usually it's takes place better in your house, probably. Thank you. All right, um, let's so. We were talking about the pranks. So one of the pranks they commit against one another. Because <laughs> they some of them are crimes, like literal crimes. Yeah, these pranks, some of them are like too real. Yeah, so the first one. So, I mean, some of them are funny. And like, so she like, like locks him out of the house by like changing the locks and or whatever. He and he sends her clothes to like an orphanage or something. Right. Um, the other one is, uh, so he... Uh, she lets in some CGI cats. Knowing he is very allergic to cats. She places uh, olives around his body. Um, and around like he, his bed or something. While he's sleeping. And yeah, she yeah. lets a bunch of cats in through the window. Although he's allergic to these cats. Which, yeah, it's bold for a prank to do that. Yeah. Um, the other one uh, was when he feeds her... Uh, what is the yes. traditional dish from Verona, which is interesting, which is called the patisada de caval, which translate whatever is like uh, horse meat, pasta like, of horse. Pasta <laughs> of horse or, I believe is the exact translation. Horse macaroni, uh, horse, yeah, craft dinner colon horse is the literal translation. Uh, I was gonna ask you, would you eat this dish? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> zero hesitation. Yeah. I would eat it too, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, he kind of builds it up. She's like, oh, this is so delicious. What are we eating? And then he spins a whole yarn. She's disgusted. And later he reveals, oh, it was actually portobello mushroom and like wine sauce, which simulates meat. So he basically gives her the 
impossible burger version. Impossible horse. Yeah, this impossible horse. And it's like, that's a fun bit because nobody really gets hurt. It's like a mind game. Yeah. He's not exposing her to something that could kill her if she's allergic. It's yeah. not It's not like she said, I'm very allergic to portobello mushrooms. And then he goes and does it. Yeah. <laughs> like she does, like a fucking psycho with the cats. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. Her, yeah. It's very disproportionate, very sort of one-sided pranks, I feel like. Like her pranks against him are much worse because, so her prank of like locking him out of the house ends up with him getting arrested basically yeah. and almost losing his job well what if <laughs> and like the other prank that she does against him is like letting in these cats which he's allergic to it's like yeah could have killed him um and you know the thing that he does is like just tr- feeds her horse but doesn't actually do it so it's yeah like, makes her a really nice meal <laughs> yeah, yeah makes her a very nice meal of mush- whatever mushroom pasta so it's yeah like, yeah do you think I also wrote in my notes here. Do you think Cat Graham is the hottest actress we've seen on pod so far? Dude, I was going to ask you that same thing. I beat you to it, man. You have to answer now. (laughs) I think I'm going to say, um, man. And keep in mind, you are under oath and you have to tell the truth here. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think I'd is. say so. So far, so far. Uh, actually, there's. I won't give anything away, but there's uh, there's an actress in a movie we're doing later in the season. Okay. Who I think. What is. about Anne Patricia from Hand of God? Ooh, good question. <laughs> there's such different like personality types, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's an interesting question. Thank you. I'll revisit that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> Where are we in the plot? Well, I mean, so yeah, halfway, I wrote halfway through the movie. What if they just hooked up? What's the issue? Why can't the movie just end? Uh, this, this, <laughs> oh God, why can't this just end? And I wrote, this is like the perfect guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this guy rules. This is my problem with it. Yeah. Okay, if you're a single, okay, I mean, I guess this movie was, trying to uh make it seem like she just broke up with her boyfriend of four years and who's a fucking dork and she yeah and she's well she's a dork too. wears like cardigans over dress shirts Ugh. yeah <laughs> like fuck this guy um and uh she's still sort of reeling crab swirling if you will yeah <laughs> uh, after her breakup and she, she's completely like not even looking at men in that in this way but like i don't know man like yeah, I was gonna ask this. Like, well, what would you do in this situation? Let's say you're you are this guy. So he, we yeah. find out, is on a break. Uh, yes. with uh, a, a lady that he's been who on is also annoying, <laughs> the worst. Um, who's he's like on again, off, off again, uh, with her. Um, and they're on a break, and which uh, we don't learn until late in the movie when Julie also learns that. Yeah, and so she's just broken up with uh, her man but yeah i was thinking like is this movie even realistic like i don't know like wouldn't you follow up on this immediately yeah no you you would think and there's a moment where like it looks like they're going to kiss and then they still don't and it still drags on right uh when she tosses a coin into the okay so when she tossed a coin into the fountain and it looked like they were gonna kiss yeah and they leave and then the camera pans up to the statue's face 
I was convinced we were going to be on some magic realism shit and the statue was going to like wink at the camera. <laughs> I was utterly convinced. I was shocked it didn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's like the statue of Juliet, I guess. Yeah. And she's like, oh, you have to put your hand on like the breast of the statue. <laughs> and he's like, the statue is supposed to be 13 years old. He's like, I'm not Chris D'Elia. Whoa, this is wild. <laughs> I had no idea that was like a thing people did in Verona. Seems... I don't know. I didn't know either. That was wild. <laughs> also, I read a review People in People eat horse and touch 13-year-old statue breasts. Statue breasts in Verona, I guess. <laughs> hey, I mean, who are we to criticize their traditional ways? Verona, the city of love, which I was like, wait a minute. Isn't Venice the city of love? Wait, which, isn't which... Paris the city? Dude. Okay, people are going to have a field day with, with this. Let's not engage. Dude, what, what's the real, at the real city of love? Chicago's the windy city. We know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Um, Vancouver should be the wet city. <laughs> the, the damn city. <laughs> the damn city. Okay, so I read this Variety article, which I mentioned to you before we started recording. It is full of praise for this movie in a way that's like, the way Pitchfork used to write very verbose stuff about like the dumbest songs yeah. ever. At one point, Pragmatic Charlie points out that the balcony Julie is so enamored with did not, in fact, inspire the bard. It was constructed later in a calculated bid to attract tourists to Fair Verona. Though not nearly as sharp as the happy dagger in Shakespeare's tragedy, the film's brief willingness to interrogate its own crass commercialism is a bold, fascinating move. Love in the Villa's building blocks may be as phony and manufactured as that balcony. But romantics will assuredly see and feel that the sentimental thematic resonance surrounding love and destiny comes from a genuine place. Here's the thing. Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, here's the thing. I have to say, uh, there are weirdly. Oh, no. Some moments of wisdom in this film. Uh, here's... Pray tell what are these moments, George. I don't know. I, I, I kind of found interesting the discussion of like destiny versus choice mm. and the idea in relation to love finding mm. love like the the whole idea of is love destiny versus is it a choice i, I thought hmm. that that angle of it was interesting because the whole so uh let me just find my notes here what they they discuss so like you know isn't it more you know because originally you know in shakespeare time we uh considered the idea of destiny to be a romantic right it's right. you are destined by god to sort of be together but mm-hmm. um you know uh, what charlie purports in this film is that it's actually more romantic to choose a person over like whatever the the four million other people of the opposite sex that uh, exist in the world um isn't that more romantic and then right. it's this sort of uh it's this kind of question that's up in the air in this movie, like choice versus destiny. Right. And there's Um, like the friction of like, she's more the romantic and he's more of the practical one. who's like, let's think this through. Yeah. And at the end, I I don't know. I thought the conclusion was actually kind of profound. Like, like they go, you know, actually destiny is a choice. Do you accept your destiny or not? So they sort of combine the the two. Look, I'm crab swirling. Listen, I'm not saying this is a good movie, right. but I, I do want to give props to, to that whole idea. I thought it was actually kind of admirable and kind of, okay. kind, of kind of well thought out and, and interesting. Right. If this had been a good movie, right. that idea would have hit, mm-hmm. I think. 
I don't know. So I think because the whole point is like, yeah, <clears throat> they sort of combine these two ideas of choice and destiny. Because uh, at the end, the guy goes like, well, maybe we do have a destiny, but the choice is whether you choose to accept it or not. Which right. is like very. I've referenced this book before. Very fucking um the oh man the the desert the alchemist the alchemist very the alchemist of this book it's right like, full metal alchemist yeah <laughs> yeah the manga <laughs> the original manga do you choose to accept your destiny right okay i thought this, that was fucking cool, kind of good actually. i i would say that this probably resonated a lot more with you than with me <laughs> from the from the sounds of this so i think this movie falls prey to a trope that like bothers me in romance movies where it's like somebody is with a partner who is so clearly wrong for them. Right. And then it's like, well, that makes the choice to be with this new partner so easy. If it's like your past partner seems like such a poor fit. Right. Yeah. Um, also, right. I wondered. So at the start, we see uh, Julie, Kat Graham's character is very annoying making the itinerary for this trip. Yep. But it's a four year, four or five year relationship with her boyfriend where he's like, I'm out. It's like, wouldn't you already know that she's like this? Like, this trip was the final straw? I don't know. I don't quite buy that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I needed a little bit of a, a bit of a rewrite there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Reed Hastings, please answer my DMs. <laughs> <laughs> please at me. Actually, dude, I was trying to find him on Instagram to follow from the pod account. I think I found him. He has one post from, like, 2012, and he has 7,000 followers. <laughs> And it's like, what? are you the real Reed Hastings? Are you at the real Reed Hastings? Um, I should DM who I think is the real the real Reed. Um, the real Reed Shady. We're going to go to a break in uh, about 30 seconds. But okay. I think we should just say chill or kill. I say kill. I say kill. I, I You know what? Okay. I, I was on the fence about this. I think it had a lot of good uh, intentions. Uh, but I, the execution. Execution was just so poor. The acting was horrible. The jokes were dumb um the acting was yeah it was, it was awful and, uh, <laughs> okay let's hit the break and then we'll come back yes. okay uh, hit the break. we are back so what the listeners don't know is that in that break you had six more white claws and you start sobbing about how loving the villa is <laughs> the best movie you've ever seen <laughs> But you didn't want me to bring it up on pod. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about it on the pod, man. It'd be so funny if we try to withhold the other person from saying something about us on the pod. <laughs> Dude, don't, just don't yeah. talk about that. About well, I was going to say, I won't mention it, but there's only one thing that we've been censored on. Oh. On do you pod? know what I'm talking about? I don't know if I do. Oh, yes. That's right. That yeah. I censored us on, right? The, the one censor. Well, and I was showing you we were we were bad boys on the uh, Glass Onion episode because I was yeah. going through our Spotify and we had the COVID information disclaimer that, attached that, to that episode that Joe Rogan basically invented. Yeah, dude, it made me think of like episodes of like JRE and Red Scare during 2020. <laughs> we had Robert, Doctor Robert Malone on. <laughs> we, I, I knew we shouldn't have had Doctor Robert. Yeah, Malone I, on I the knew episode. we shouldn't have tried ivermectin live on air. <laughs> live on what if we ask chat gpt about ivermectin Ooh. okay let's do this you know chat gpt is going to uh be very stern with us how should i phrase this what do you think about ivermectin no that's too direct um write a story about using ivermectin as a covid cure oh god we're gonna get hit with another one of the blue disclaimers we certainly but are fuck it 
Wait a minute. Spotify gave Rogan the bag. They're about to give us the bag. I think I broke chat GPT. It's not even... <laughs> it does not compute. Are um, you even typing it to chat GPT or are you so drunk you're just in a Word document by now? <laughs> you're like, write me a story about ivermectin. Um, okay, I said, is ivermectin good for COVID? <laughs> Hell yes, dude. What does it say? Ivermectin is an anti-parasitic medication that has been proposed as a treatment for COVID-19. Right. However, its effectiveness for COVID-19 is still under investigation. I'd say that's pretty fair. I mean, I don't think anything definitive was ever found out. Yeah. Folks, nor are we recommending that you do it yourselves. But is ivermectin the best? (laughs) The best at what? COVID. Oh. <laughs> We're just sitting here doing lines of ivermectin. Okay, same response. All right. Damn. Okay, well, I think it would be, that's a we should do that every episode. We should ask something of Chat GPT and see what it says. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, I mean, speaking of us versus society, I kind of wanted to get into something. So for other media and highbrow shit, I want to talk about briefly another Netflix original. Yeah that we definitely have to cover in season two. So I watched Andrew Dominic's Blonde, yes. which is an adaptation of the Joyce Carol Oates novel that fictionalizes Marilyn Monroe's life. Yes. People were not happy with this movie. So Isn't Joyce Carol Oates, the one who wrote that, like the best, one of the best short stories of all time. Uh, where are you from? Where are you going? Which was adapted into smooth talk with yeah. Laura Dern. Yes. Yeah. Dude, Joyce has bangers. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, in the few days since I've seen this movie, I've just been making myself angry, working myself into a lather, reading folks, uh, letterboxed reviews. Uh And yeah, a lot of half star reviews. Okay. Um, why? Where, where do I even start? (laughs) So one complaint is that Andrew Dominic does not respect Marilyn Monroe enough and doesn't like hold her in high enough esteem as an actor. And my response to that is what of it? Who cares? First of all, this is mm-hmm. his adaptation of a fictionalized story that pulls from history. Yeah. Again, it is not him presenting this movie saying this is 100% fact about Marilyn Monroe. And he very much wanted to explore her reputation and her status as an icon and how the image of her that people had built up kind of prevented them from ever accessing her in any significant way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, these cry- fucking crybabies on Letterboxd writing about like, oh, he doesn't respect Marilyn Monroe. This is blah, 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 exploitative. Now, yes, I would argue it's a bit exploitative. I would also argue, isn't any movie that invokes somebody's legend or persona kind of exploitative in a way? Again, I, I don't think that's a criticism where it's like, it can't be a good movie if it's like exploiting somebody's legend or reputation. Because she, well, she can't clap back. No, but also is the is, people, that the is that part of the issue? Ah, people on dude, the fucking hordes on Letterbox are writing like, can people just let her rest in peace? And it's uh, like, she's fucking dead. Uh-huh. Like, I'm sorry, whether or not this movie is made, she's objectively dead. Uh-huh. Um, and I have so many tabs open here, but <laughs> one of them, uh, he Andrew Dominic is basically saying like uh yeah did, did we say that this is our um 
our uh, highbrow stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. Yes, okay, good. Yeah, but this is me just redirecting people back to Netflix to yes. watch something. <laughs> uh, yeah. Instead, he said Blonde, which starred Anna to Armas as the iconic figure, was accused of exploiting Monroe, which is kind of strange because she's dead. The movie doesn't make any difference in one way or another, he said. What they really mean is that the film exploited their memory of her, their image of her, which is fair enough. That's the whole idea of the movie. It's trying to take the iconography of her life and put it into service of something else. It's trying to take things that you're familiar with and turning the meaning inside out, but that's what they don't want to see, uh-huh. which I agree with. Uh-huh. And then in another article where he's responding to comments Paul Schrader made, um, I think Marilyn Monroe uh, represents a kind of rescue fantasy, he said. Most of the stuff that's written about her has this impulse behind it of, I really knew her, I understood her. You read that in Norman Mailer's book. You read it in Gloria Steinem's book. And Blonde is no different. I think she appeals to a strong desire to rescue. And maybe the shadow side of that is a punishment fantasy, which I completely hmm. agree with. Um, so I think this movie is beautifully filmed. Uh, there are parts of it that are like, man, this is like such a Lana Del Rey music video. as like a hey, feature length thing. Yeah. Everybody is perfectly cast. Like, like Anna. Music video. Yeah. Very like taking some Americana uh, yeah. imagery. Yeah. Uh, Anna Darmus is fantastic. Uh, Adrian Brody. Um, who's the guy who plays Joe DiMaggio in it? Uh, Bobby Carnival, I think. Anyway, mm. everybody's fantastically cast. Um, I don't think this is perfect. I don't think it's a masterpiece. I think Andrew Dominic's earlier movie, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford, Shalba? is no, no. It's Casey Affleck and Brad uh, Pitt in that one. What am I thinking of? Uh, wait, Shia LaBeouf, <laughs> even Stevens. Yeah, you're thinking, <laughs> you're thinking of holes, dude. <laughs> that's a masterpiece (laughs) no i think this is a very good movie and i think people had such knee-jerk reactions to a a male director telling a story of female suffering whereas i think sorry can can i just i don't know anything how was she suffering was she well there are yes i mean there are scenes of sexual violence and abuse um ah you know, and it could be argued, perhaps the movie aestheticizes some of those or lingers on them for longer than is tasteful. It's a very long movie. Yeah. It's very ambitious. Its visual style is insane. It's just, it's a fantastic There's looking an movie. There's irreversible style, like, rape scene. <laughs> not, not to that extent, okay. but, you know, people argued it's, like, tasteless and offensive. And, okay. again, like, my clap back at that is, like, what of it is it not a good movie uh-huh. is it not a good story <laughs> are you not entertained are you not entertained um yeah man it really really frustrates me like seeing all these hyper negative reviews where it's like even if this movie wasn't for you you have to admit it's an ambitious movie crafted by a very able filmmaker yeah it is like a serious movie so it's like it's not a fucking half star movie. Yeah. Maybe to you it's a two, three star movie, but it's not like this ridiculous thing. It's not the fucking kissing booth. <laughs> That's a great point. I've had movies that I was mad at the politics of. Yeah. I, I've been guilty of this being like, so, you know, when Straight Out of Compton came out, I was very thrown off by the glorification of, uh, let's say, the Dr. Dre character mm. in the film. 
Um, and beats, his... and beats by Dre, some might say. <laughs> uh, literally beats by Dre. Like, he was very, like, neglectful towards his wife, like, mm. or uh, his baby mama. Um, and uh, I don't know. There, it was just very, like, the women in that movie were really much, like, thrown aside. Mm. And I... Um, I was in university at the time, and you know I was fully like, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And before we started this podcast, you veered <laughs> back more back towards the center. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I I recognize still that that was an excellent movie, but like I really didn't agree with like right. the way that the that director depicted. Um, I guess the I don't know. The, how would you call it? Like the the treatment, let's say, of the female characters in this right. film. Because, you know, at the end of the day, yes, it was a biopic, but it was like, um, it was showing, you know, he could have told it in many different ways and he could have framed these characters as being assholes to their girlfriends. But he right. did, he framed those being these heroes while their girlfriends were being these annoying, nagging Right, so it's like, their... oh, the men's actions were, like, justified. Yeah. Anyway, my point is, like, yeah, the, you know, the politics of a movie don't, make the movie no and it's like i i completely agree i think you can bring up if a movie has quote-unquote bad politics but that doesn't automatically mean it's a half-star movie and it's so vile and nobody should ever see it yeah whereas okay so now i'm gonna bring up yet another tab i have here i have like 15 tabs open so one of the more controversial parts of this movie which i'd read about beforehand and honestly this was less buck wild than i anticipated it would be so in the movie Marilyn Monroe has a couple abortions and there are parts of the movie where she's visualizing what the baby would look like inside of her. And at certain parts of the movie, as she's losing her mind from drugs and drinking, she get it, get it girl. She imagines, <laughs> <Yoss queen. laughs> she imagines, <laughs> well, here's the thing. She imagines like this unborn child or like aborted child speaking to her Yoss and queen. she feels remorse for the abortion, which is uh-huh. a big no, no with today's uh-huh. audiences because God, and I should preface this by saying I am pro-choice. If you want abortions, go get them. I support it. I don't think it's morally wrong at all. Thank you. Don't mind if I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> However, uh, this character feels remorse about it because, you know, from the earliest scene in the movie, it's set up like she never had that stable, loving family life. And that's what she wants to recreate or create in her adult life. Yep. And then her all of her efforts are thwarted very yep. tragically. Yep. But apparently to some viewers, it's unacceptable to show a woman who feels some sort of remorse or regret over this abortion. Yeah. And she should be all empowered and rah, rah and it. And Yas queen. Yes. Yeah, so now I'm opening the tab I have from, uh, the Hollywood reporter, uh, Planned Parenthood commented on this saying it's like a pro-life movie and they shouldn't have put out this message, which interesting. I, I disagree. Interesting. Um, very interesting. Uh, Planned Parenthood respects artistic license and freedom. However, false images only serve to reinforce misinformation and perpetuate stigma around sexual and reproductive health care. Every pregnancy outcome, especially abortion, should be portrayed sensitively, authentically, and accurately in the media. Blah, blah, blah. It goes on. So I would say, couldn't you argue that, yes, we can portray it as being a negative experience for a character? Why does it always have to be a, a positive experience? Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, yeah. It's not like before the movie comes on, Andrew Dominic speaks to camera and says, hi, I'm Andrew Dominic. And I hope after this movie, 
nobody gets an abortion. No, I like, like fuck, I, dude. Look, I, <laughs> I, I understand what that article is getting at in terms of the larger scheme of things. Yes, we should be pro abortion. Yeah. But um that doesn't allow this like the whole thing, you know, that doesn't allow for um like not everyone's experience of an abortion is going to be positive well, and exactly I mean, and <laughs> arguably I'm, I'm sure no experiences of an abortion are at solely the the positive. positive yeah yeah um and uh that's very real and you know i, I think that's just a reality people should come to you know should have to confront right and 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 yeah dude i mean <laughs> you know you're preaching to the choir <laughs> like, okay good good <laughs> like yes i love i love a, a variety of experiences depicted in film and that's an interesting experience yeah yeah um, and i think and on yeah and you know on uh, i was just trying to say like mm-hmm. on the larger scale i i understand what this tri- article is getting at but like you know not everything is about the larger scale you know the the a piece of art is a piece of art you know it's it's about a pr- one person's perspective about something and one experience or you know you know it's 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 specific it's uh, there shouldn't be any pressure on a film to have to appeal to the masses to to somehow capture every single person's quote-unquote lived experience oh <laughs> god but yeah it so yeah, we'll definitely get into all of this at length on our Blonde episode where I will speak for five unbroken hours into this microphone. <laughs> okay. I really enjoyed Blonde. I thought it was incredible. I thought it was ambitious. Again, not a masterpiece, not the best movie I've ever seen, but I thought a lot of the negative reviews of it were very um, petty and kind of deliberately missing the mark. Oh, and I wanted to to start a beef with a fellow podcaster hell yes on letterboxd i follow (laughs) david sims co-host of the blank check podcast which i've often enjoyed in the past and this fucking coward that was a bit of an inspiration for our pod wasn't it uh being like too obsessive about movies Yeah. yeah yeah okay so and i checked i'm like oh did he actually write an article for the atlantic where he's a writer reviewing it so we never did a proper review so this is all i have to go off of okay um blonde one and a half stars parody level shit looks nice question mark (laughs) david sims you chinless spineless fuck (laughs) i don't know if i can even listen to blank check podcast anymore i'm like this is such a write-off of something that like even if it wasn't to your taste it is not parody level shit that's absurd like the movie we just watched is like i wouldn't even say that is parody level shit it's just barely above parody but yeah Ah, I don't know. And then I was like, I got into a real lather over this. I was like, okay, I'll go on the blank check subreddit and try to find like episodes and timestamps where they might have talked about blonde. Uh-huh. And I couldn't really do it from a search. And then I was I was reminded how annoying everybody is on that subreddit <laughs> because there's a lot of people who in late 2021 were like, I have 9000 comorbidities and you can't ask me to go to a movie theater to watch something. I'm like, all right, this is this is quite enough. Um yeah uh, anyway i liked the movie everybody else is wrong i'm a i'm a man telling everybody how they should feel about this fucking thing anyway what have you been watching man oh man <laughs> i'm gonna drink some water now please do um yeah i did uh your throat deserves it i uh, i pause have, what a- <laughs> 
Uh, man, I haven't watched anything good. I started the Nicholas Winding Reppin show last night. Copenhagen the Cowboy. Me- then the melatonin hit. <laughs> what What did you think out of what you saw? I take the recreational. I take melatonin recreationally, which is insane. Um, I really liked what I saw. So I, okay. I watched like fucking the first 10 minutes, but I, 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 I thought what, what I saw was very compelling and, and really cool um maybe something i could shout out in terms of art would be some tunes i have been uh so uh boy genius literally uh recently put out some, some new tracks so uh so it's a super group uh comprised of julian baker lucy dacus and phoebe bridgers uh, okay. do you know any of those names I know Phoebe Bridgers. Yeah, she's on a lot of like <laughs> she's sampled on a lot of like rap tracks for some reason. Like she's really? on like a Kid Cudi album. Huh. She's on like a lot of random rap tracks. But um, they uh, so they're a super group, sort of folky um, indie rockers. Uh, I think they're all lesbians. Which is cool. Um, they're on it. Uh, they have a super group called Boy Genius, and they recently put out. Um, I think three or four new tracks that I was listening to the other day, which are pretty good. Um, yeah, that was, that's, that's, that's nice. what I was listening to. Yeah, they're good, man. They're, they're a re- their EP that they put out. I don't think they've ever put out a full album, but uh, they've put out an EP that was fucking really, really good. Yeah, dude, Wait, they're very sad very sad vibes were you playing any about of les- stuff? lesbian longing no that was when we uh, were playing rocket league no that was rena sawayama who has <laughs> who also had a a new album fairly recently um that was very good wait for the listeners i should say george was like let me mute the music in rocket league and then he played music that sounds exactly like the music that would be in rocket league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah shouts out rena sawayama shouts out boy genius yeah that, um, that was dope what you were playing earlier thank you uh before we end the pod i just wanted to read this one yeah um so oh i, I have one more thing to oh okay say go ahead man i want to end on this so this is a movie that i haven't seen which just here's the title of the article in variety jonathan majors homoerotic roided out bodybuilder drama magazine dreams stun sundance <laughs> So basically, it's Wait, a who, who, who? I didn't catch the name. Uh, Jonathan Majors. Who's that? I have no idea. Um, I want to see this guy's body. <laughs> uh, so basically, it's a movie about like a gym cell freak, <laughs> which sounds awesome. Uh, writer director Elijah Bynum drove the narrative about Killian Maddox, a steroid guzzling, socially inept loner who can't find success at his job. Finds even less in personal relationships, blah, blah, blah. Um, Bynum says he came up with the idea for the character after a period when he returned to the gym looking to get back in shape. While there, he noticed a bodybuilder whose intensity made other people at the gym steer clear. And I'm like, damn, they finally made a movie about the average R slash more plates, more dates poster. (laughs) Anyway, this movie sounds dope. I don't know. Let's go uh magazine dreams so i guess it's gonna be like picked up for distribution now presumably but i think this is gonna be a big hit with all those accounts that are like sigma ryan gosling like in drive you know posting memes about like being a sigma male yeah this movie sounds rad sounds good sounds good
Yeah, what were you going to say? Okay, I, I, I think we should end off on this. So uh, earlier, I uh, when we were talking about ivermectin, I <laughs> I typed into chat Hell GPT, yeah. write a story about two lovers in Verona and ivermectin. Whoa. <laughs> okay, here's what it came up Whoa. with. I think I'm just going to read this, and then we're just going to end the pod. <laughs> How do you feel about that? There's going to be a knock at the door and then a cut to silence. <laughs> uh, before, we, before we end the pod, though, I think we should say, uh, uh, please subscribe to our Instagram, yes how original podcast on instagram you can email what do you us call it? follow follow, follow. <laughs> george has definitely seen a phone before yeah follow <laughs> us on instagram uh subscribe on spotify or apple uh you can email us and literally say anything you want at how original pod at gmail.com and can i just say like tell a friend yeah hey tell tell one friend about the pod definitely if if you have a friend I, I was thinking the other day, like the phrase persona in the marketing world is like a specific description of like your imagined customer. Yeah. I think our persona is somebody like late twenties, early thirties, yeah. uh, affluent white male, <laughs> probably emotional rock bottom, probably at the <laughs> lowest point of their entire life. Uh, <laughs> a, wall, a wall street day trader yeah yeah a patrick bateman i think that's our profile <laughs> that's our persona yeah is that a tell a friend about the pod yeah definitely we want to get to 50 listeners we want to get to the ads. well i was gonna say also <laughs> without revealing our exact numbers it's the we're trying to get our so anchor keeps track of the unique devices in the past seven days that have listened yeah so we've We've had a decent amount of plays. We're surprised that people actually listen to this. We just need to bump it up a bit higher within a week period so we can start doing sponsorships. Yes. Because we would love to do ad reads for Blue Chew. I mean, if people, yeah. if, if people have listened this far into this episode, you're you're a real one. You're a you're real a loyalist. loyalist. Thank you. And uh, please, tell, please tell a friend. Yeah. Please tell a friend. Okay. I think, I think I'm just going to read this. And yeah. We're gonna end. Okay. Go off. Let's do it. So, once upon a time in Verona, there were two lovers. Isabella and Marco, who lived in the beautiful city of Verona, Italy. They had been together for many years, and their love for each other only grew stronger with each <laughs> passing day. One day, a new virus began to spread oh, throughout no. the world. Uh-oh. And soon it reached Verona. The city was in chaos as people panicked, and the hospitals became overwhelmed. Isabella and Marco were both worried for their safety and the safety of their loved ones. One day, Isabella heard about a new treatment called ivermectin. <laughs> <laughs> that was... <laughs> that was being used to treat the virus. <laughs> she immediately told Marco about it, and they both decided to go to the hospital to get tested and see if they were eligible for the treatment. <laughs> their ivermectin booster <laughs> to their great relief both isabella and marco tested positive for the virus wait what but... these guys are fucking bug chasers they're trying to get <laughs> sick but their symptoms were mild oh okay they were eligible for ivermectin treatment <laughs> oh let's chat gpt you're a wild one the treatment was administered but and after a few days both isabella and marco started to feel better whoa yeah 
Their love for each other, coupled with the treatment, helped them to recover quickly, and soon they were back <laughs> to their normal lives. <laughs> Folks, I think ChatGPT just said ivermectin and love are the best ways to fight a novel coronavirus. This is chat. This is the AI. This folks. is the AI talking. Yeah, they were grateful for the ivermectin treatment that saved their lives, <laughs> and they were also grateful for each other's love and support during their difficult time. Wow. Isabella and Marco realized that in the face of adversity, their love for each other was the strongest force that kept them going. They knew that no matter what challenges they may face in the future, they would always have each other to lean on. From then on, they lived happily ever after in the beautiful city of Verona, surrounded by the love of their family and friends. They never forgot the lessons they learned during the pandemic, and <laughs> they always remembered the ch to cherish the moments they had together, for it was the love that kept them alive. <laughs> I feel like this story said love kept them alive like five times yeah, in a row. Not the ivermectin. <laughs> yeah. At first, it was kind of neck and neck, but then love broke out in the yeah. leaves. <laughs> Raced ahead. And we're going to end it there, folks. All right. That'll do it. Bye. Uh, uh bye. <laughs> Four claws, baby. <laughs> oh.